Hey, welcome to Plant Profits. And I must add, an award-winning Plant Profits podcast. I am your host, Vern Davis, and I'm looking forward to introducing you to my guest. He has been involved in new product development in the HVAC industry for over 35 years. That's a long time, listeners. As a serial inventor and problem solver, he owns 17 U.S. patents relating to energy controls and systems. As you can understand, that's very important to what we do in cannabis. His name is Mr. David Sandelman. David is the co-founder of VT Dry and Cure Technologies and the creator of Canatrol Systems. He has been involved in new product development in the HVAC industry, as I said, for over 35 years as a serial inventor and problem solver. Uh, most recently, two patents have been issued relating to dry cure and storage cannabis, plus additional patents pending. David is the inventor of the first two wire digital clock thermostats created to address the energy crisis in the 1970s. I've worked, as David has said, he's worked on new cooling technologies with Oak Ridge National Laboratories, ONL, and the Electric Power Research Institute, ERP, EPRI. Currently, he's a chief operating officer, chief operating officer, and chief technology officer of VT Dry and Cure Technologies, and as I said, the creator of Canatrol, the leading production of engineering efforts. My guest today, Mr. David Sandelman. David, that is a long introduction. You've done so much for so long. You have so much to share with us. We're looking forward to it. Looking forward to having the discussion, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about it. how did you get into HVAC so long ago? How did you how did you stumble into HVAC? Tell me that story. I guess a high school friend of mine's family had a uh, fuel oil business, and on the weekends we would do service and uh, deliver oil and fix people's heating systems. And somehow I've always been in the HVAC industry. But you know, it started with controls doing microprocessor controls at the beginning okay. of the microprocessor control when that all started. It started then with the clock thermostat during the yeah. crisis. And one thing led to the next, and I wound up in the uh, controls industry for HVAC. And so when you started out, you were just doing this for your buddy's family? Well, there was an idea. There was a concept about yeah. you know, needing uh, low water protection on boilers and develop the right. control for that, and then hooked up with someone who was involved in thermostats and developed the uh, first digital clock thermostat. Yeah. You did that? Yes. Every it, time I see one of those, you did that? There was the very first ones, yes. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So you did that for many, many years. When did you decide that your brain and your technology and your entrepreneurialism and your knack for inventing technology, when did you decide that cannabis was directionally, potentially a good place to go? Well, that that is a very strange story because about 23 years ago, I was involved in a startup and it was the beginning of uh, what they were calling M to M at the time, man to machine. Uh, it's now the internet of things. And the uh, whole dot-com world blew up at the time wife and I bailed out of corporate, packed up and bought an abandoned inn in Vermont. Really? Now, what, what year was that, approximately? That's, <clears throat> let's see, 
02. Yeah, around 01, 02. Um, okay. Bought an abandoned inn, fixed it up. We hired a chef, and we were one of the top culinary, top 10 culinary inns in America. And we early on were the beginning of the farm to table movement uh, here okay. in Vermont. See, there's so much more to this. I knew it. I knew it, David. I knew it, man. So where that led to is we were, you know, early pioneers in farm to table, and we were mm -hmm. purchasing, pur purchasing cheese from local cheesemakers. Yeah. And they were expressing a problem with their cheese aging rooms. Now, really? you got to remember, people have been making cheese for hundreds, not even thousands yeah. of years. Cent yeah, centuries. Right? Yeah. And, but you would make cheddar in Cheddar, England. You would make Romano in Emilia Romano. No one ever thought of making cheddar in Emilia Romano or vice versa. Why? You're right. Because of the climate, because of the agriculture, the herds. All of that had an effect on how the cheese came out. But yeah. today... People want to make any kind of cheese, any time of the year, anywhere in the world. So you need to simulate those conditions. <clears throat> and here in Vermont, unlike in Cheddar, England, where the, uh, the rock is fairly soft, caves are easy to dig, here in Vermont, it's granite. You don't get very far. You hit granite. You better pull out that dynamite if you want a deep hole in the ground. So, <laughs> C4. Yeah, <laughs> in, in Vermont became a little bit more of a challenge. And so, so some cheesemakers expressed this problem. They said, let me think about it. My background is in controls and came up with a system where they can simulate the conditions that are in these caves at various parts of the country and maintain consistent conditions year round. So it started with the first controls for cheesemakers. Got it. Cheesemakers liked it. And then that spread throughout North America. So we've built hundreds of cheese aging room controls throughout US, Canada. That then led to, hey, what about charcuterie? Drying a salami, hanging meat, dry aged meat. So the technology then was adopted to those areas. And then a couple of years ago, said, hey, the physics is the same of what okay. you want to do with a piece of cheese. And what you want to do with some meat is you want to get the free available water out of the product so it becomes shelf stable and doesn't have free available water, which microbes, mold, and other things grow on. Will this work on a cannabis flower? So we did. What year was this? That's about four years ago. Okay. So we did some proof, proof of concept, built a small unit, gave it to a licensed caregiver here in Vermont. He was like, ah, this isn't going to work. Ah, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to put my flowers down on trades. I got to hang. Yeah. said, just humor me. Put some flour in there and let me know how it comes out. And about, about two, three weeks later, he's like, I don't know what this thing is, but this is some of the most amazing flour I've ever produced. I said, can I have the prototype back? He said, absolutely not. Not. <laughs> so we built another prototype. And we're on it to uh, a local uh, growers' cup kind of competition, and people started buying them right then and there. So that, and that's how it started at a, a, a yeah one participant. You found one one yeah. sucker. It, it, he tried it. Well, we gave it to him. We didn't even have to sucker. <laughs> you, you gave the guy. You gave it. You gave the first one away. 
he was feeling he to risk some flour. Happy hat. <laughs> and uh, that's how it began. Funny. But that's now, funny. when well, you we, took it to a competition, yeah, we took it to uh, the box for people who grew. <laughs> he said, "I need this. Right, I need help in my drying and curing." So what we reflect back on is, you know, what is it about dry, cure, and store with the cannabis flower? You know, if you think about it, you pull a flower off a plant, fresh, you can't smoke it, it's too wet, it won't burn, and if you try and store it, it's going to go moldy. And what's the physics behind that? It's the same thing with cheese. It's the same thing in the food and pharmaceutical industry. It's about free available water. You want to get rid of the free available water and get the product to a 0.6 water activity. Once you have your flour at a- Why 0.6? There's all kinds of people that have researched this for decades. Yeah. So we just know that's the magic number. So you don't really know why? It has to do with free available water. That's when there's not enough free available water for mold and microbes to grow on. The water is bound up in the product and they don't have access to it. So you have a shelf stable product. So we went by the lead, you know, coming out of food and cheese, we understood the 0.6 water activity and with Got it. the importance of it. And so we've learned that that's the same magic. Even books in a museum, they want to keep it at that 0.6 water. By 0.6. Because then the mold can grow and eat those rare books and pieces of Okay, water. so that's 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 almost like the line for freezing, right? 32 yes. degrees. It, right. It's just... This is the line. I got it. That's I got it. This is very interesting, David. I, and, and we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. Great. Vern Davis, I'm your host of the award-winning Plant Profits podcast. My guest today is Mr. David Sandelman. He's the he's an owner, inventor, chief technology officer, COO of Canatrol. And when we get back, we're going to really find out what Canatrol is. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Vern Davis of Produce Global, and Produce Global is sponsoring and proudly sponsoring the award-winning podcast, Plant Profits. And my guest today is Mr. David Sandelman. He's an owner, inventor, chief technology officer, or chief operating officer, and he created Canatrol. Now, he just told us how we got to this Point six is a magical line number. I love that story, David. That was beautiful. So, but I keep telling people, you you, you do all this work for Canatrol. What is Canatrol and how did it come about? We just described that it came from the cheese and meat. And now it's okay. about drying and curing and storing cannabis. Okay. So now that you understand the okay. physics about getting yeah. to the point six water activity, yeah, a lot of the legacy you know, why would people, what were they doing? They were drying, they were putting it in a room, hanging it in a place that just kept removing moisture. Think about when you buy a dehumidifier, it's rated in pints per day. Its job is to keep sucking water out of something. Just keep drying, keep going, keep going, keep going. So what do you have to do? At some point, you need to arrest the drying process or you're going to overdry that flower. So there's usually some magical guess point of, oh, is it dry enough, not dry enough? And you need to arrest the drying, remove it from the drying space, and put it into a sealed container to arrest the drying so it doesn't dry any further. 
Now, if you pulled it out of that drawing room too soon, and there's still, and here's the science behind it, free available water, when you put that flour in the jar, it's going to go moldy because now there's that free available water for the mold to grow on. Or if you waited too long in the drying room, well, now you're putting overdried flour into the jar. Well, then what happens next? The ritual of burping the jars. But you got to think about the science of burping jars. Burping a jar in New England in the middle of the winter in January is very different than burping a jar in Florida in August because the air is very different outside the jar. Yeah. You know, yeah. where's where's the science here versus the ritual here? Well, yeah. Wait, we're creating the conditions to maintain that flour at that 0.6 water activity. So you put the flour into one of our systems. The free available water is going to leave. It's going mm. to come to a 0.6 water activity and be yeah. at equilibrium with the space and stay there. It's now curing and you just leave it there. So there's no moving it from the drying space, putting it in. No, you just leave it in the room. You leave it in the canatrol. And six months later, you can smoke the flower. Usually we get to really? six yeah. water activity in about four days. And you like to see about four more days of pure minimum. And so after about eight to 10 days in one of our systems, you've got amazing smokable flour. But if you don't smoke it all in one sitting, leave it in the unit. Good. <laughs> but a week later. And what people then do is they put it in brown paper bags in the unit. They write the harvest date and the cultivar, and they start building a library. We've okay. had flour stored for two years, and it's still sticky, supple, and smokes amazing. Wait a minute. So are you telling me it kept all of its characteristics? Yes. All of them? Yes. The only thing that happens is the flour got a little bit brown due to oxidation. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, that doesn't affect the quality no. of the taste or the feel or the or the effect. It, it, it has nothing to do with it. That's just yep. color. We have not seen any of that. That's you haven't seen any effect on that. And we now have thousands of units all over the world. And well, that's what I wanted to talk about. Who's buying this? Give me some ideas about. Well, I have some ideas I want to run by you, but they're they're probably in use. But who's who's buying this? So tell me about your company, and what are you guys doing, and it and how's it getting out there? How is this technology of what you do? getting out there because it solves a lot of problems. Yeah. So we have basically two areas. We sell a consumer product. Okay. Home use. It takes two okay. pounds of wet flour. Um, okay. That will dry to five to seven ounces of smokable dry flour, but you can store five, four to five pounds of dry flour in there for long-term storage and curing. That's a home unit. That's that's, that's, that's for me. That's, that's me who wants to have- his own stash. Right. And we sell those direct all this is the, This is like placing a coffee maker in a home. That's correct. Okay. Yep. So those we sell direct. And also we have grocery stores throughout the country and around the world that sell these as well. So you can go in and buy it at a grocery store. You can buy it online. Then right. we sell to large commercial facilities. 
where we'll wow. in multiple rooms, rooms that take a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds of wet flour. Okay. So that would be the takedown of one of their flour rooms, and they would load a room, and there, you know, eight to ten days later, they've got product ready to ship. Now, some of the bigger facilities have extra room that yeah. is long-term cure. Because what we're now learning is just like wine, cheese, scotch, a well-cured cannabis flower improves with time. And what we're also learning is different cultivars cure differently and improve. So, for example, we- That's, grew, that's a great point. Yeah. We, we grew a jelly bean and an Acapulco gold side by side. Okay. Try and cure them in one of our canatrols, the cool, and then the cool cure. Eight days later, the jelly bean was excellent. Smoked, smooth. It was uh -huh. awesome. It's always a favorite. The Acapulco Gold, we took one hit. It was harsh. It was nasty. And being the weed snobs we are, we were like, let's throw it away. But yeah. he, said, he said, you know what? Leave it in the unit. 30 days later, it became the new favorite. Really? Yes. So, so the customization that you can do with this equipment, with this, with this, with Canatrol, right? Yeah. The customization really can benefit all different types of cultivators. Yes. And and all different strands of the plant. Yes. And <clears throat> so. Is it a setting? Is it something you can, quote unquote, dial up, or, or, or what is that? Or, or is the plant dictating the different plant dictating what actually happens? Yes, yes. Different cultivars are cured yeah. differently. Then you're pretty much holding them all at the same conditions. All okay. right, because you don't want to over dry it, and you don't want to leave unbound water in there. We're right. So you want right. to hold it at shelf stability. Now, different cultivars at that shelf stability are curing differently. So, And it's no different. There are wines that you can buy and hold yeah. for 20 years. They're not going to get any better. They're, right. they're going to go bad. Where others, they're actually, they're going to go south. Yeah. Right, where yeah. others will improve with time. So That's right. People are starting to see that with different cultivars. You know, which ones benefit from long-term storage? And we're not talking like a wine 20 years. You're going to hold a plow at 30 days, 60 days. Well, so let's talk about that. What what if I'm in a situation like some markets are where there's an overstock situation and you don't want to lose your crop. You don't want to lose it because there's just too much flour out there. Exactly. Okay. So how does your system come into play or could it come into play to help me maintain my uh my inventory right for the next year if i need to it does and that's what commercial facilities have rooms they're these long-term storerooms with our technology yeah. in it and they hold the flower in it and it holds it in perfect conditions it doesn't yeah. it doesn't degrade because of over drying conventionally they would put it in a room with some air conditioners right which continue to over dry so then they'd seal it in vessels well was it in that vessel at the perfect conditions? We're creating a room that's at those conditions. So it's actively maintained. The perfect, it's in the perfect condition. Yeah. Okay. So I, I know it's taken care of. We monitor it, right? 
and I've had it in there for 14 months. I just picked a number, right? Now, I'm going to try to get this to the consumer. So is the, the visual quality as good as the tasting quality? Yes. Because if the visual quality is not as good, then I got to put this in edibles and other things so that the consumer doesn't see it. Tell me about that. Okay, so the flour comes out of our systems sticky and supple. One of the complaints we get from people who have our technology and use it is yeah. we gum up their grinders. Oh, I see. Okay. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> okay. That's how sticky the flour is months okay. later. Now, you okay. said 14 months, you know, there is some limit about how far you, you know, how long you can store it, just like a bottle of wine. Yeah. You know, what's interesting- What are those limits? Is it? No, you know, we're at okay. just a couple of years. People are playing with this, but you can have a bottle of wine that's a hundred years old. At that point, is it about drinking the wine or is it- Or having the wine. Or having the wine. So, yeah. you know, yeah. with the cannabis cultivar, it might be, wow, I haven't seen that cultivar in 20 years. You still have flour. <laughs> are you going to smoke it or are you just going to hang on to it because- Well, I, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to find out. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know. We're going to learn. Then when we come back, we're going to ask a few more questions and maybe we can figure this thing out. Awesome. This is Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits and Plant Profits is proudly brought to you by Produce Global. My guest today is Mr. David Sandoval, owner and better CTO, COO of Canatrope. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back. This is Vern Davis. I'm the host of the award-winning podcast, Plant Profits. My guest today is Mr. David Sandelman, owner, inventor, CTO, and CEO of Canatrol. So, you know, David, as you look at Canatrol, there's a lot of technology involved in growing, you know, from seed to sale. There's a lot of technology involved. How does your technology integrate with all this technology surrounding the plant? As it evolves. So there's huge amounts of investment, research, knowledge in growing the plants. And then when it comes to taking down the plant, so often it's an afterthought. I can't tell you how many large commercial facilities we get called into an amazing grow operation. And then it's like, oh, what are you guys doing post-harvest? Oh, we got a closet over here with, you know, a mini split in it. It's like, well, that's where all of that hard work can go to waste. You know, what's interesting is when you use water activity as a unit of measure for fitting to get to a shelf-stable product, the food industry, the pharmaceutical industry, they use water activity. Why? because they want to get their product to shelf stability so there's not enough free available water for mold and microbes to grow, but they do not want to remove one extra molecule of water. Why? They sell their product by weight. And when you sell a product by weight, you want to keep that bound water in the product. It helps you. It makes it heavy, of course. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So how many facilities we go into and we'll measure water activity of their finished product that's going out the door. And it's down at 0.5, 0.48, 0.52. And we've built a table and we're going, you guys are losing five to 7% of your sales 
because your product's overdried. You've lost that weight. You put all that time and money and effort into growing that amazing plant, and then you overdried it by 5%. That money is just evaporated. It's gone. gone. Literally evaporated. Literally gone. So Uh there's advantages there about yield and weight. The other is with legacy systems, you put the flower in a room to dry, and then you got to have that magic moment. You pull it to arrest the drying and put it in containers or jars. We don't do any of that. You just leave it in there until you're ready. Yeah. So we save all that labor and all that guesswork just disappears. So we've, you know, transformed facilities. You know, one guy was like, hey, I saved a man year of labor as soon as we installed this system. Uh, another facility is like, I now get my product from harvest to consumer 10 days sooner. Right. And a common thing we run into because of the quality is we've had facilities, it's like, uh, we'll test it in one of our rooms and retrofit right. it. They retrofit it with our technology. And then, uh-oh, we got a problem. What's that? Our customers that we sell to, the dispensaries, they don't want any product other than the one that was dried and cured in the room with your technology. When could we get our other rooms retrofit? Right. That's that's great. That's great. So <clears throat> that that really solves problems and and creates opportunity. Right. For so this back to your question, we are we are focusing on the post harvest. Yes. Yeah. All of this research, everything's been done growing the plant. Yeah. Now, now we're bringing home those results from those amazing plants to finish the product in post harvest. Oh, that's great. That's great. So looking ahead, what advancements or improvements do you envision for Canatrol commercial systems? And and are there new features and technologies you plan to integrate into the future of the product? Uh, at this moment, just more sizes and just letting everyone use the technology and as a community, learn the power of it because we're all learning. You know, this technology hasn't really been applied to cannabis for more than a couple of years. So every day we're learning, you know, we have one facility, he manipulates his flower for his pre-roll machines, Yeah, restores the flower after he takes a little bit extra moisture out so the pre-roll can handle it. You know, he can't keep up with his pre-rolls. Prior to adopting the technology, he was like everyone else competing with the race to the bottom. He's a week or two ago, he said, you know what? I haven't had to move my price down in over Beautiful. a year. Beautiful. So that that's that's quite interesting, and I think that <clears throat> you're creating value through the through the value chain uh, of the of the entire process. A dashboard of data that is useful for these cultivators that comes from you and the technology and the and the system that helps them make critical decisions or am I overcomplicating this simple machine that keeps everything at 0.6? We, we, get, we, we give them the starting values and say, yeah. go carefully and slow and adjust as you need. There's one okay. big uh, medical facility out in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was talking to him on the phone a couple of weeks ago and he said, the only thing that is consistent in our process is a dry cure. He said, so when yeah. we start seeing differences in the finished product, we know we don't have to worry about the dry cure. Dry cure. We're going to go back, was there a shift in nutrients and lighting? 
where was that shift in our process? But one thing we didn't have to worry about guessing is the consistency that happens out of the dry cure. And where this is an advantage is particularly for brands that's yeah. uh, around the country. You know, right. like the Coca-Cola model. And if you buy yes. Coca-Cola in New York, California, Mississippi, yeah. you're going to have the same product. Well, for cultivators, it's difficult, particularly in post-harvest dry cure, because of the climate conditions. And now what we give them is consistency, no matter where that plant is grown, that the finished product is the same. That's great. And I think we'll end it right there, David. I really appreciate you coming by today and, and having this chat. Very interesting, <clears throat> very useful, very practical kind of uh, intricate technology that you've created and invented that is is really one of the one of the few things in the industry that's stable, I would say that, right? Exactly. It's a very dynamic and very changing industry, and, and you've created some stability, and I think that's, and it's worth money, and I think that's a really, really, really important. So my guest today was Mr. David Sandelman, owner, inventor, CTO, and CEO of Canner Troll, and I want to thank him for coming by, and I want to thank all of you for joining us on the award-winning podcast, Plant Profits with Vern Davis. You can download episodes of Plant Profits by going to Cannabis Radio, a partner in crime here at Cannabis Radio. Thank you so much. Or subscribe to the show on all major podcast outlets, including Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, et cetera, anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, check out Produce Global, my company, and look at us on LinkedIn, Insta, Facebook, all the places you get your social media. We are there and learn more about how we're building companies and how we're changing people's lives at Protis Global. That's P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Vern Davis of Plant Profits. Cheers. Cheers.